This podcast discusses content that may be triggering for some listeners. Please be advised, discussions include gambling language, types of gambling, and addiction. Hello and welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center under the New York Council on Problem Gambling. Across New York State, we have seven resource centers dedicated to connecting individuals to care. We are here to increase awareness about problem gambling and advocate for support services for persons adversely affected by problem gambling. Gambling is defined as risking something of value on a game of chance. There can be many types of gambling and it can affect anyone at any time in their life. It may not be talked about often and kept in the dark, but we hope this podcast sheds light on the hidden addiction of gambling and brings forth resources and information for you to use. Welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. We are well into season two, almost finishing season two, and we're so grateful to be able to highlight two women, two women in recovery, two Black women in recovery from problem gambling. We also have Miss Ashley, who is Miss Ashley Owen, who is from our New York City, uh, Staten Island in particular, Problem Gambling Resource Center, and she's going to be helping us uh, facilitate this conversation, this wonderful conversation for Recovery Month. We also want to be mindful that it is Suicide Prevention Month and um, Responsible Gaming uh, Awareness Month. So with all of those things being said, and I'm quite sure there's other months that people are bringing awareness to and, and, um, and highlighting, but these are the topics that are most important to us for this particular podcast. So welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, and I hope oh, oh, let's bring it back because this is what I do. <laughs> I didn't introduce. We have Miss Sandra Adele, who is a person in recovery. And we also have Miss Karen Lee Riddick, who is also a person in recovery. Thank you, ladies, for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. So why are we here? We're here to talk about problem gambling and what else? Why the recovery process and why it's important to lift up your voice, women's voice, and why it's important to lift up the the voices of Black people whose voices possibly haven't been lifted up before, mm-hmm. right? Right. So That's- go ahead. Go ahead. Ms. No, I was going to say, I'm going to have um, Dr. Odell start because um, I'm here because of her in terms of this process. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna want you to go ahead and get us started, please. Yeah, and as always, I am so grateful and thankful for Karen and someone else who uh, is not here and that's Cassandra Belton and we use our full names. Um, and uh, the, I just wanna say that for, in, in 2010, I published a book entitled Confessions of a Slot Machine Queen. And uh, when you publish a book, you have to go and promote it. I became the voice and the face of Black women 
gambling disorder, gambling or gambling addict or whatever you, however you want to call it, uh, define it. And I have some issues with some of those terms for over 10 years. And every time I would go out and give a conference presentation uh, or appear in the media, I would get responses, you know, email responses from people, from other Black women saying, I'm suffering, or, you know, this is my problem, or thank you for, um, you know, for telling your story. But my question was, where are the women? You know, where are the Black women? And it kind of came to a head, actually, in 2020. Uh, when I started getting uh, requests, uh, I got two requests from people. One woman who was working on a documentary about gambling, but it was not about us. It was about a, uh, about addiction, but it wasn't about us. It was about somebody else, a, a white man. And then right after that, another person uh, contacted me uh, about an HBO special on gambling. Uh, and that was on gambling and addiction, but it had nothing to do with us. And so I had to think about it for a minute and say, you know what? I think I have come to the point now, I have done my thing, but I'm not gonna get on these shows um, because uh, what I'm trying to do now with my work, with this next project that I'm working on uh, is to increase, to encourage black women to tell their stories because they need to know that they're not alone uh, in this because people are, are suffering in isolation. This is a very, very shameful, uh, addiction. And I'm still trying to understand, even in my own head, Karen, why I would go to a casino but didn't want anybody to know I was gambling because I didn't want to be known as a gambler. Mm -hmm. When I'm drinking alcohol, everybody knows I'm shit. When I, oh, excuse me, I just started cussing. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, everybody, <laughs> I didn't have any problem with that, you know, but those are some things I'm working out. It has been very helpful now. For the first time, and that when we, we have met, I think three times now in, in a public forum. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't tell you how, 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 how relieved I am to have these wonderful women who are with me. We are now a team. It's not just one voice out there now. Mm -hmm. We are a team and our goal is to encourage other women to speak out and to share. And, 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 and I love that uh, at the end of this, that your number five is how do you find peace and joy in your life? Because we want to get to some peace and joy up in here, you know, because <laughs> we're yes, doing it. So that's that's my story. That's how, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. It has been part of my recovery. You know, because once you start, once you start speaking out, and this is for any addiction, if you're going to go out on the public forum, then uh, there's responsibility there and accountability. You know, I can't go out and give a speech and then go sneak into a casino. I can't go out and give a talk and say I don't drink or, or gamble or don't drink and then go start drinking. I don't even want to do that. You know, uh, so this is part of the uh, part and parcel of uh, however we define recovery. And that's another thing that I'm working on is how I define recovery uh, because I've recovered. I think of it as a recovery room. And, you know, and, and, and when you're sick, you're really sick, you know, you wanna, rec you wanna heal. And the healing process, it depends on how long it takes. The healing process, you know, um, it took a long time and it took, a, you know, some, it took a lot of personal counseling. That's one thing that's very important to me. I had to go with a personal therapist to work out some of the stuff that was going on underlying um, 
you know, whatever happened with me with this gambling addiction, which I still don't quite understand. Uh, and so this is the other issue that that I'm working on, and that is for the women. And I, there are only there are very few women right now who are speaking with me. But we are. We're, I'm not interviewing them. I realize that already. We're having conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're together in this. So it's a friendship more so than I'm an observer, you know, coming in to take some notes on Karen and then write a book. This isn't what hap what's happening now. Um, and I'm hoping that other women will speak because we've got stuff going underneath that addiction. And that's what yes. needs to be uh, it considered. And I want to point out uh, also, I'm not a therapist. I don't have any background in counseling. I'm a literary scholar. Karen and Karen, you can speak to your credentials. Uh, she has, she, she works, you know, she's a, a, clin, a clin, clinician, a professional. And that for that, with that, I'm going to ask Karen to say something and pick it up. Ms. Karen, before you even uh, um, you, you go into your story, um, one thing that I'm gonna ask you just as um, uh, Ms. Sandra had kind of stated, um, but you can add this to whatever you're gonna say is, how do you define your recovery? Because I thought that was a great statement. Oh, I did too. Um, I came through more of the traditional way, meaning that I joined GA. Um, well, let me start. The last time I was in a casino was August of 2011. And for six or seven months, I just willpower. Um, I was living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and my partner said to me, because um, she knew what was going on, you know, what are you doing around your recovery? What's your maintenance plan? And I told her I didn't have one. So she took me to my first GA meeting in June of 2012. And so uh, that's when I feel like my recovery started. Uh, is when I went through that first GA meeting and she went with me and I was scared to death. Uh, and I'm glad she went with me because we were the only two black women in the room yeah. and it was a women's meeting. Yeah. And um, for most of my recovery period or when I go to the meetings, I do seek out women's meetings or LGBTQ meetings. Um, so in terms of how do I define recovery? Um, I believe that recovery is a lifetime thing. I mean, I, I, I don't use the word recovered mm -hmm. uh, because I don't wanna trick myself in believing that I can go back into a casino. Oh, yeah. uh, so I feel like I'm always in the process of recovering and, and healing and, um, you know, when Sandy talked about this stuff underneath, the gambling was the, um, was the symptom, was the reaction to something else that was going on in my life. Um, so it's important that we do look underneath, look behind, look above it to, find, to try to figure out what's going on. Um, so one of the things I like about the recovering process is that for people who need more structure, there's the GAs, the NAs, the CAs, the, you know, celebrate recovery, all of those things. And they are important. Most people in any kind of addiction usually just kind of burn out and stop on their own. Um, you know, they become the dry drunks, if you will. Um, the thing about 
the structure of, of GA or the structure or any of those things, they is very structured. You know, they have the 12 steps, they have sayings, they have, um, they talk about, you know, people uh, doing their step work uh, and, and it gives people the structure, it gives people the, the network um, so that they can, you know, it, they give people a sponsor. So there's a structure, it's almost like a recipe, if you will, about, you know, this is what you can do if you're trying to free yourself from an addiction. Um, and so I use that recipe to some extent. Um, for example, I have 11 years under my belt. I've never completed all my steps. Now, some people think that that's a problem. Mm -hmm. I'm working on my steps, um, but because of my background, um, I'm a licensed social worker. Mm -hmm. um, I'm licensed in two states. I'm working on my clinical license. I work primarily with clients that have addictions to substance abuse and mental health issues. So as a result of that, I, I do a lot of work on myself just because I'm a social worker. Now that's not, that's not to dismiss or undermine the steps. I do think they're important, but it hasn't interfered with me and my ability to be in recovery, uh, living my best life and being a much better person today than I was when I was gambling. So I think it's important that people can self-define and, and, and figure out what works best for them. Yeah, so what I found out was that I felt more comfortable in women's groups. I felt more comfortable in LGBTQ groups. And so that's what I seek out. In the early days of my recovery, I was in a meeting you know, three, four times a week. Now I do all my meetings on the weekend. I still do four meetings and they're all women's groups. And so I, I, you know, recovery for me comes in a lot of different ways. I don't think about gambling. I am hardly ever triggered by gambling. Uh, I live in Alaska. We don't have, they do have gambling here. It's in a different form. Uh, one that I wasn't familiar with. I was on the East Coast for an extended period of time this year. And one of the things that I realized there, there's so much gambling PR everywhere, yeah, billboards, everywhere. television. Yeah. I mean, it was just everywhere. And I, what I found out, I wasn't triggered. I was agitated by it. Me too. Me you too. know, I was agitated by it. I didn't feel like, oh, I need to go, you know, play the lottery. But it was like, damn, oh, here I go. <laughs> it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Um, you couldn't drive and go a couple of blocks without seeing a billboard talking about the lottery or the, the mega ball and all of that other stuff. You know, so it was everywhere. And, and I was thinking, I can't wait to get back home because we don't have that here. You know, we don't have that here. I mean, we have the bingo halls and, and um, there's something else that they do here, pull tabs. Uh, and it's interesting. Now I'm noticing those more than I did before I left. But anyway, but, uh, you know, Sandy's right. When I was in the casino, I saw a lot of Black women. In the rooms, I saw hardly any. Mm. I saw hardly any. And it was interesting. I mean, I would go sometimes to the casino. Usually I went when I was going to what I refer to kind of as this social gambling. You know, you, you go with friends. Maybe you have a meal and, you know, you play for a couple of hours and then you leave. And so I could do that with some friends and we would leave 
but then I would come back. I would, I would double back. And if I saw people that I knew, I didn't want to see them. I didn't want to talk to them. One, because I didn't want anybody figuring out, well, how long has she been here? Not that people would care, but it was, it was, I wanted to be alone. It was, it was a secret at some point. And I couldn't tell you when that, when I crossed that line and it became a secret, Mm -hmm. but it was a secret. And I would go back and spend, you know, whatever, I would stay longer than I intended, spend more money than I had. And when I was drained financially and emotionally, um, then I couldn't leave. I, I, I could not leave. I felt like I was a zombie. And now we're talking, it's about three, four o'clock in the morning and I don't have any more money. I can't tap into anything else. I've, I, you know, I've tapped out and I just walk around there, you know, um, sometimes looking to see if somebody left some credits on the machine. Sometimes I found that sometimes looking for somebody who might've been friendly and wanted somebody to talk to. And, you know, maybe the pass me a couple of dollars so I can put some money back in the machine. It was, you know, when I'm thinking about it now, I was so vulnerable. I'm so glad that, you know, somebody was watching over me. So, because I might've been in some really, really trouble if the right person came around and asked me to do something, I probably would have done it if it meant that I would have gotten some extra cash to stick in the machine. Eventually I would leave and I would go home and I would be sick. I talked about the sick feeling that sick. I would have. You sick. know, it wasn't that I would throw up or anything like that, but just this sick, disgusting feeling I had about myself, about how did I do this again? Mm-hmm. How did I get here again? Yeah, it was it was interesting. And it's like I said, I lived in Pittsburgh uh, for a long time. Most of the time I was in Pittsburgh, they didn't have a casino. So if I wanted to gamble, it was something that I had to go look for. I had to do it outside of Pittsburgh and sometimes even outside of Pennsylvania. So it was something that I did when I traveled or um, traveled for work or vacations. And, you know, I had the same impact in terms of I stayed longer, spent more money, but then I would leave, go back to Pittsburgh and I was fine, basically, because there was no casinos. Um, And then they started to build casinos closer to me. They built some in Virginia, West Virginia, and then, which was about maybe 90 minutes, two hours away. Then they built one in Pennsylvania, it was about 45 minutes away. And then they built one less than three miles from my house. And when they were talking about building the ones in Pittsburgh, there was three sites that they were looking at. And before they broke ground or before they even decided where they were going to put it, I knew I was going to be in trouble. I knew it. In my gut, I knew it but I didn't do anything about it. You know, I didn't do anything about it. And when they opened the casino and basically in my backyard, you know, I, me and another friend went and we were there on opening day and the place was beautiful. You know, I was excited just like everybody else. But when I think about it in retrospect, I was also scared. I was scared. And like, you know, Sandy talked about, you know, I, I didn't understand what was going on and, and what was pulling me in, in this direction, but it did. So I'll stop there. And so if you want to have any questions or if, if, if Sandy wants to add anything or if you two have any questions. Sure. Yeah. 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 You know, I, um, I thought of a couple of questions as you were talking, particularly when you were talking about feeling more comfortable going 
So I, I uh, was wondering, you had mentioned that you tend to seek out meetings that are for women, you know, and for um, LGBTQ women to, because you feel more, more safe and more comfortable with, with them. And I'm wondering what your process was like in finding uh, resources that were specific to these groups, because uh, that's one major gap that I'm seeing in, in some of what I'm researching about local resources is that there are not any identified right. GA <laughs> or gambling recovery spaces, spaces that are specific to women or LGBT people. So I'm wondering, like, were those available in their, your community? Did you have to go online? How did you find out about them? Because we want to make sure that, you know, if people come to us needing, I mean, there's reasons why. I mean, I'm a queer woman myself. Like, there's reasons why. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like we, we would choose that to, mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as a place where we felt more comfortable in. So I, I'm just curious to hear a little bit more about how you found out about those resources and are they something like are there online resources accessible um you know specific to women or, or, or queer women in recovery that that we should know about yeah well when i started the process i lived in phoenix phoenix arizona and they too also have quite a few casinos which i wasn't aware of um, but phoenix was one of the places that phoenix and alaska are probably the only two states i've ever been in that i haven't gambled in so as a result of that, Phoenix has a plethora of uh, meetings, and particularly in terms of GA. I mean, you could come to a GA meeting every night in Phoenix. So I don't, I don't know if that's like that. I, well, I'm pretty sure it's not every place. So in Phoenix, there was a women's meeting. There was a couple of women's meetings. And um, there was one LGBTQ meeting, not specific to women. And it was actually open to anybody. Yeah. Um, but the tone was, there was a tone of acceptance. So the folks yeah. that weren't, that didn't identify as LGBTQ knew that this was that type of room. And so in Phoenix, there were those resources available. That's um, so good. I was also able to get, um, I eventually sought out a counselor and he was certified. He was a certified uh, gambling counselor, white male, but he was, he was very good at what he did. And for me, at some point, like the first, the first meeting I, I went to were all women and they were welcoming. But then I found a second group that I liked better and they were also all women. And there was actually one black woman in that group and there was a Hispanic woman in that group. Um, so I, I decided to go with that group instead. So it was important to me, but I, I, I believe that there are huge gaps across the country in reference to that. Probably in the larger cities, there, there's, there's more diversity. Right. Um, and this was pre-COVID, not yeah. after COVID. Yeah. And I mean, during COVID and once I moved to Alaska, everything stopped. Obviously because of mm. COVID, everything shut down, the in-person meetings shut down. Um, but there's a, uh, for gamblers, there's a website called Gamblers in Recovery. Okay. And it has a huge, it has managed to put, 
I could go on there now and find a meeting someplace. It might not be all women's meetings, but you can put in women's meetings and it will pull uh-huh. up the next women's meetings that's coming through. You can put in LGBT and it, it pulls up the next one that's coming through. Amazing. And what I also like about it is that because I am in Anchorage and these meetings are around the country. One of the meetings that I attend on Saturday comes out of England, out of the, the UK. Now it's 7 p.m. their time is 1030 my time, but I don't have to figure that out because the app tells me that what time this meeting starts for me. So there's quite a few meetings. Now, some people, women of color that I've talked to say some of the rooms are just not positive. They can be very racial. They will say things that are, is inappropriate Mm -hmm. and the group facilitator doesn't shut it down. You know, so I encourage people, you know, you, you need to shop around, you know, all all meetings aren't created equal. And, you know, as a black woman, I need to feel like I'm safe in this space. And, and that, you know, like when the George Floyd trial was going on, people were making comments that were, that made other folks uncomfortable and it never got dealt with the way it should have been. Now I've not been in those situations. And I'm grateful for that. But what it does is shut down. So, you know, if, if I'm somebody struggling, trying to find resources, trying to find support, and I happen to jump into this meeting and it's primarily white males and they're talking about George Floyd and he got what he deserved and, you know, just that kind of negative energy. I don't want to be there and I'm not coming back. And I may not go back to any other GA meeting or any other recovery meeting because this is what I'm expecting because there's so much of that in our society already. Yeah. You know, so that's one of the reasons why I tend to stick to women's meetings. Um, There's a sensitivity about, I think the other thing too is, and I think it's still prevalent, not as prevalent as it used to be, this notion that slot gambling is not gambling. Okay, so you know, if you're not at the poker table, if you're not betting on horses, you know, the real, you know, gambling sort of thing, then people get their gambling gets dismissed. So do you find that 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 statement, because that's an interesting statement, is that um and I'm I may be generalizing in in me asking, is it more males who feel that way or is it more females who, who who is Who's saying that like that particular type of gambling is not gambling? Males. Males. Yeah, I was wondering the same, the exact same thing, Leilani. Yeah. I didn't want to generalize. (laughs) Right, right. Like like who's who's making that that comment? And yeah. Generally, it's males. Sometimes women buy into that because it, it appears to be harmless. And nobody wants to claim I'm a gambler. <laughs> I'm a problem gambler. Right, you know, right. so sure, if, sure. You know, so if some if I if somebody plants this seed, well, you know, slot gambling, that's not gambling. You know, I'm not sure why you're here. Well, then okay, that gives me my excuse to get out of here because I don't want to be here in the first place. So I've talked to people who've had those things happen to them. I mean, the rooms are much better today. There's more structure. Yeah. Um, but there's some offshoots, you know, people create different types of spaces under the guides of of GA. So even in the rooms, recovery and um, gamblers in recovery, 
they capture not just the GA sanction rooms, but there's other there's things called road to recovery. So I tell people to be cautious about the rooms, um, but there is a room there that I believe that you can feel comfortable in. I love the groups that I go to. Um, I go to one of, well, it's out of this, it's on Saturday morning, I think it's the Anaheim group. It's all women. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few women of color in that group. There's a lot of diversity in that group. There's a lot of recovery time in that group. Um, they have good structure and there's different types of groups. There's some groups where you get feedback. There's some groups where you just share. There's some groups that, that's focused on doing the steps. You know, so there's a lot of diversity, if you will, in the group process and the group structure. So it's about finding the one that works for you. But it is important that, you know, if you're new, the hardest thing to do is to go into that group online or even in person. That's the hardest thing to do. So it's important that people have that positive experience. And and I've been lucky. I have that positive experience. People have been very welcoming, very open. My first group, I think I cried through most of it. It was, it was, it was interesting, amazing, overwhelming to hear other people talk about their experiences, but they were telling my story. This insane craziness stuff that I was doing that I was so ashamed of, but others was doing it too. So that feeling of isolation and feeling that nobody could ever understand what I was doing and how I was feeling about what I was doing goes away. It starts to evaporate because there's, you know, 10, 12 women in this room, six of them have talked and they've said stuff. Everything that they've said has resonated with me and they're no longer doing that. And they're smiling, you know, some of them are still struggling, but just the fact that there was somebody else in the world who was having similar struggles that, that I had, And then you had other women in the room who had overcome that was a very powerful experience for me. It gave me hope. I, um, I think like from based upon what both of you guys have been talking about, it just, uh, community is so important and it's Mm -hmm. finding your own community. And there's so many, one too many, but I guess there's no such thing as one too many, just so many gems that I have like kind of pickpocketed from you guys and I I, one is it's you're working on your steps and then you're being you know in in this recovery process is knowing how to be authentically you Mm -hmm. be your authentic self because that is that is going to help you in your recovery to learn how to overcome whatever addiction or whatever you're going through and um I think another thing I came up with is define yourself in your space because mm-hmm. you don't want somebody to define it for you right um and 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 it, and it helps you pick which spaces is most important and most ap- appropriate and important to you i wanted to kind of like segue into like kind of the one of the questions but the in a weird way um i one of the things i i look into a lot is afro indigenous practice practices and sometimes it's not the um the most conventional way of seeking help in terms of what society has taught us um but in in regards to community and um really seeking getting the right supports what other supports outside of ga conventional therapy what what other um 
support system do you think it it's, would be beneficial to individuals who are struggling with, with gambling? You know, let me say, first of all, that Karen, this, what you have just presented is so important. This is the first time, I'm telling you again, folks, this is the first time we're capturing this kind of discussion about Black women and what we need and you did it so eloquently. Let me say for, and, and I wanna turn it back to, to Karen because I didn't get any of this. Mm. I was desperate. Mm. I thought I was gonna die. I tried to write my way out of this problem. That's what that, 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 that book was about. I was literally writing about what was happening to me as it was happening. And there's a point I wrote, uh, folks, I wrote fear. On, on, on my little notepad here, because that was the thing, especially after I got drunk and got arrested and went to jail for a night, uh, and then all hell broke loose, you know, about a week or two later. Um, I, I, it, I, I, the only way I can describe this is being on the, on the edge of an abyss, mm -hmm. and I'm about to fall over, mm -hmm. and there is no net anywhere, mm -hmm. because nobody knew what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And when I sought help, at Gateway Recovery, and I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, all of these things is first of all, you know, here's a black woman. I'm I'm a I'm a major figure in this town. And I'm, I'm joke. I'm not you know mm -hmm. bragging about it, but I can't mm -hmm. hide in this town. Mm -hmm. um, I'm yeah. a university professor, and so I go into this into Gateway Recovery, and it's all white folks, um, and I'm scared to death because we do become very afraid. But also, I was more afraid of falling off the cliff, if that right. makes any sense. Exactly. So it's like, you know what, it, you know, give me something. And it just turned out, it, it so happened, there's a point when you're so desperate that, you know, mm -hmm. these people had the skills and the training to give me that lifeline. I'm going to take it. Right. You know, uh, and I was very fortunate, uh, and I did thank uh, one of the... Um, one of both of my counselors and I, you know, in my book and and uh, in, in publicly when I um, uh, did a big uh, keynote address for the National Council on Problem Gambling, the you know I happened. This woman was sensitive enough to know, just like I'm, I'm desperate. I'm a black woman out here. It's so frightening, and I'm about to lose everything I worked for. Uh, and there's some things I just can't do. And there was somebody, only one person that she knew of who in the, in, in the area that dealt with gambling problems. And she said, Sandy, I don't think that's gonna be a good match. We are gonna work first with substance abuse. Now, what happened with me then in that regard was that I went into these, these programs and after the, after the DUI, they're gonna send you there anyway, you better do something. Um, but it was boot camp, and it was substance abuse. And it was, I was able, at some point intellectually to, 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 to understand this because it was like a class. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. These are the you know, baselines, blah, blah, blah. And every the three times a week for six weeks from uh, 5.30 to, eight, uh, to around eight o'clock. Um, and so it was appealing to another aspect of me and that was the, the teacher or, or the, uh, the student. Um, and it was like, oh, okay, this, this I'm able, I'm able to grasp. I, I was not able to grasp a 12-step program and, or a group counseling because when I walked into one of these uh, things that the counselor told me I should go to in Gateway, and I'm in one place because they're paying for it. You know, my insurance is paying for all of this. I walked in there and there were, there were, uh, were uh, I think, 
two kind of middle-aged guys and some really young white guys, all of them white guys. I, it, it, I, I, I just you could relate. I couldn't handle it. Uh, I turned around and said, I, I just cannot do this. And so I'm desperately seeking for what she has already and what she's presenting here because there was nothing. The only online program that I could find and I was searching desperately was something called Women Helping Women by Marilyn Lancelot, who's out, uh, I, I, she's out, you know her? Yeah, she's in Phoenix, yeah. In Phoenix, yeah, mm -hmm. Marilyn Lancelot. Mm -hmm. um, and so she had, and this was in, this would have been 20, around 20, uh, 2007 or eight. That's all I could find online. That was it. So we've grown enormously as, as Karen has shown. Uh, the other thing is I don't want anybody to have to experience what I did. Now I came through, I came through. But I cried most of the time. I'm, you know, I was telling my counselor, my 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 therapist, that I was going to die if I didn't finish writing the book. <laughs> the book is killing me. I'm telling them the book is killing me. And when I wrote the section about that DUI, which is like, I don't give a shit what you're doing. Excuse me, I don't care what you're doing. You do not drive drunk. Don't. You don't drive. Drink. You don't drink and drive. And 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 that was me like crossing over another line here. And if I hadn't gotten arrested that night. I would be in jail or in prison. Or and dead. I would have, might have taken somebody else with me. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's enough to scare the hell out of you, you know, it's, unless you're just really totally crazy, which I was quite crazy. I think this was suicidal behavior. Mm -hmm. I think about it like that. So, <laughs> so part of what we're doing here uh, with, with this, this presentation, and thank you so much for inviting us, uh, is precisely to put out there, here are some things that, that um, that you can access. You don't have to be alone. Mm -hmm. We need a larger community of people of color. We need particularly a larger community of black women who can just sit around like we're doing, like we do a lot. We have fun, by the way. We have some fun <laughs> <laughs> as we're dealing with this. So that's that's that's. I'll stop there with my with my point. So. Some, I, I was thinking when, when Dr. Adele was talking. How did I know, become Dr. Adele all of a sudden? Well, you know what? It's important to me okay. that people know that you're a black woman, you have your PhD. It's important to know because for a long time, when I was coming up, the only people that I knew of, saw, or heard about, or assumed that had that level of achievement in terms of education or white folks, primarily white men. So I go back and forth because I want everybody listening to know that you are a badass. And you are too, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So with all of that said, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia and my stepfather was an alcoholic and abusive. I'm the oldest of three kids. My mother left, went back, left and went back and finally she did leave. But as the oldest, I remember her saying to me that she can't work in the house and outside the house. So I became the, the co-parent, if you will. And as a young black woman living in, a young black girl living in Philadelphia, all kind of stuff happened to me. Sexual abuse more than multiple times, I'm sad to say. Um, so this is not the first time I've needed some type of support and some type of help. Every time, I went looking for a therapist or a counselor. I, I really wanted a black woman 
or even a black man. I, they weren't they weren't there. They weren't available for whatever reason. They just weren't there. But like Sandy said, at some point you become so desperate that you take whatever is in front of you as long as they appear to have some competency. And so that's what I've done. And I'm grateful for those folks because they helped me put those pieces back together. And then they became shattered again when I started gambling. So with all of that said, um, sometimes we have to piecemeal. One of the groups that I belong to two groups. One is gambling specific. And it's the group that uh, Cassandra, who's not with us today, started. So we meet once a week. And like I said, this one is gambling specific. Uh, we're all black women. Uh, we loosely follow the, the GA guidelines. And because we loosely follow them, sometimes we can come in and talk about stuff that's not related to GA, but it's life's issues that impact and can also trigger us into gambling again. So those things are important. So that's one group. There's another group that I also belong to, and this one is called Black Lesbians United. Okay, they that body started a recovery group. So anybody in recovery of anything can be a part of this group. And we meet weekly um, as well on Saturday. And we are women from all over the country. Mostly we're coming either on the East Coast or the West Coast. And then you have me in Alaska. And there are women in there that have been recovered from alcoholism, drugs, marijuana. Um, I, I'm the only person in there from gambling. We have people for, that have issues with overeating. Um, you know, so, but these are all black women. And when I see them on Saturday, we do it via Zoom. You know, my life is, I tell them that they would, are what helps me get through the rest of the week because they understand. I, I get something from each group. I try not to miss the Saturday group, my blue recovery group. I was blessed this summer to travel across the country and out of the country. Uh, I went to Egypt. I was in Italy. I was in Kenya. Uh, I went to Canada. And I still was able to get into my Saturday group, except for when I was in Kenya, because I did a safari and we didn't have internet. Because they are that important to me. Um, we recently lost one of the members. Um, there was a float plane accident in uh, Washington a week or so ago, and she perished in that accident. And this is somebody I've never met face to face. But because she's been a part of that group the whole time I've been in, in that group, is, I'm going on maybe two years now, the impact of that loss is huge. And it wasn't just for me, it was, it was everybody. So. Sometimes in recovery, you, you need to piecemeal, unfortunately, what you need to do. So my recommendation would be for somebody, whatever your issue is, obviously we're talking about gambling, find a, a GA meeting that, is, that you can relate to, that resonates with you, that you feel safe in. Because there's specific things about gambling that you're not gonna hear in an in a AA meeting. Right. Okay. Um, or in a or in a uh, NA meeting. So you, I do think it's important that you get connected to a GA meeting, and then find some other type of support and networking, be it uh, through your LGBT 
recovery groups, if they have some, um, if, if we're talking about women, you know, so because in, in addiction and gambling, you're in isolation. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want anybody to know. Yeah. And <laughs> during my worst part of my addiction with gambling, I was the president of the board of a community-based organization. It was a small community-based organization. Um, but I too was well known. I did a lot of work around HIV. I was a trainer for the state of Pennsylvania around HIV. So I was all over the place. People knew who I was as well. And, and so there was this part of me wanting to protect my reputation. Yeah. You know, so there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of guilt around what I was doing. I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't understand, especially when the casino was in my backyard, that, you know, I got to a place where I was, okay, I can't take my credit cards because I, I lose my mind. So I, I leave them at home. But I was close enough that I would leave the casino, go home, get my credit cards, go to the ATM machine, pull out more money, go back home, drop off my cards, and then go back to the casino. Now, if that's not insanity, I don't know what is. And I would do that multiple times until I, there was nothing left. I couldn't get any more money. So it's important for people that have gambling issues to hear other people talk about their insanity, the things that they did, how they hit it, how they felt about what they did, how what they were doing was impacting other people, how they put other people at risk. Um, I was involved in a long distance relationship. Um, and she was just say to me, I, I just wanna know that you're okay. I, you know, she knew that I was gambling. I, I did come clean about that. And she says, you know, I can't stop you because <laughs> I'm not there. Even if I was there, I probably couldn't stop you. I just need, I just need you to answer the phone and say, I'm okay. And we can hang up. And the phone would ring. I'm at the casino in front of my, one of my machines. And the phone would ring. I would look at it. I would see what was her. And then I put the phone back in my pocket. I wouldn't answer the phone. And that hurt her. You know, it was something so simple I couldn't do. Uh, and that hurt her and other people have hurt the people around them as well. They said that for one, for um, any one gambler, there's seven or eight people that are impacted by their gambling. You know, I lived alone. I didn't, well, I didn't live alone. I had a partner. We were separated in terms of our love relationship, but we still lived in the same house. Most of the weekends she would go away. So there was nobody, I didn't have to be accountable to a lot of people around my gambling. But every now and then I would go home three or four o'clock in the morning and her car would be in the garage. And I'm like, so now I'm sneaking into my house because I don't want her to know what time I really got in. You know, so when the morning she would say, you know, so what time did you get in? I would lie um, unless I woke her up. You know, so there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of disbelief. There's a lot of just sadness. There's a lot of, I mean, when I went to my GA meeting and started to talk, I talked about I was broken. I was broken. I was in many pieces. Um, I like to put puzzles together. Um, when you put puzzles together, most of the time the picture is on the box and you can you have something to guide you. I didn't know what the picture was going to look like of me anymore because I didn't recognize who I was. I couldn't look in the mirror because I was so ashamed. Uh, I didn't understand why I was doing what I did and was doing it over and over and over again. But the meetings helped me to recognize that I wasn't a monster, that I needed help, and that I could get to the other side.
And um, even after I stopped gambling, you know, a lot of stuff came up, uh, a lot of struggles. When I moved to Phoenix, I had been unemployed for over three years and I was really, really struggling. I wasn't gambling, but I was really, really struggling. And I remember going into a meeting, this was the LGBTQ meeting, and saying that, you know, I was broken I, again, I felt broken. And because they knew me and knew my story, one of the guys said to me, you're not broken. He said, you're bent a little bit, but you're not broken. And that was so helpful to me because they knew where I had come from and they helped reminded me of, no, we, you've been in worse situations. <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one, but you, you know, you're going to get out of this one too. You're not broken. You've been over a little bit, but you're not broken. That was incredibly helpful incredibly helpful. That was probably five or six years ago, and I still remember it. And I still remember how I felt when he said that and other people agreed. So whatever I was feeling when I went into a meeting, if I was down, sad, low, irritated, angry, whatever, it was a place where I could go and leave that and talk about it. And when I left, I always felt better. I felt lighter. I felt lighter. And so you know, I get what I need from the GA meetings. I get what I need from the, the, the meetings that are all women. And I get what I need from the meetings where they're all black women, because that's who I am. <laughs> you know, I'm a woman, I'm a gay woman, a queer woman, whatever words you want to, to use. And I'm, a, I'm a, a person in long-term recovery from gambling. And, you know, just like no one person can give you everything you need. Yeah. I don't know if any one group can give you everything you need. So you might have to piecemeal it. And, you know, one of the things that I, I think one of the reasons I became a clinician is because when somebody says, I'd like to have a black woman, I, I hope to be there to, to provide that services or support. Or, um, you know, one of my goals now is I want to become certified in gambling counselor as a gambling counselor. So I haven't started working on that yet. I hope I can get my clinical license first, but that's one of the things that I want to do because I think it's important that, you know, when you get to that, uh, that cliff <laughs> um, and that you want to get some help, I think it is important that the person that's sitting across from you that you can identify with. But I think we also need to point out that, first of all, there's so few mm-hmm. black, black people, black women are few and far between in, 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 the, um, in, in the profession. I don't need to tell you all that. But also we have to be aware and be cautious because, uh, because that person is a black person doesn't mean That's that true. we can always connect. That's I true. Got, right? That's very true. Uh, and uh, I, I just was very fortunate with... Um, uh, the two women that, uh, you know, the, the women at Gateway and then the personal counselor, the therapist that I had here in Madison. Uh, but, you know, uh, Karen, as you were talking again, I was thinking about how isolated and desperate I felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Smart Recovery because this one, um, you know, my, my Gateway counselor said, Sandy, you, you know, when I'm freaking out and I can't be here, I can't be there. She said, Sandy, you really, you have to have a group. 
you, because first of all, I need to stay away from the casinos, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and, and I, I'm, I was in so much pain, even I think about it right now. And I'm writing more of my story as I'm writing this book that we're working on. Uh, and so there's some rawness that's beginning to happen again, but I'm good because I, you know, I got my, got my phone. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> uh, but but the, um, I went to SMART Recovery and I keep forgetting what the acronyms are, but SMART Recovery is based on cognitive behavior therapy. You know what it is, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. That worked yeah. for me. But again, none, nobody in that group was dealing with gambling addictions. Now, what 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 uh, the benefit for me though was when I walked into that group um, where they met, they were older people, uh, and by older I mean like they were in their forties and fifties. They weren't you know young folks getting you know uh, who were you know drinking on campus and getting in a lot of trouble and that kind of stuff. They were older people, and it's a it's a it's an open kind of conversation. I don't, I don't know if you all had any experiences with the uh, the smart recovery meetings but it's just you know there are some some basic things that they open with we don't pray because people you know are, are di different ethnicities some people don't believe in God I'm not a believer in God and you know and I'm not hope you know that's that's it I'm I'm coming to grips with some of this stuff um and and so it's not faith-based um but there there's an opening there's a facilitator and we just talk and people just start popping up all kinds of stuff, you know, at the center of it is somebody, we're all engaged in trying to recover from our addictions. Um, but they make it very clear and that, you know, um, uh, that it doesn't matter what the addiction is. You mm -hmm. know, what we're talking about are cost benefit analysis, you do your little homework. And this was the other thing about it. it's like going to school again for me. Uh, you, you know, here's, here, here, here's the, you know, the cost benefit, you know, form, um, you know, sit down and, and, and think about the cost the benefits, write it down, that kind of stuff. That's my homework. Uh, and, 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 um, I do also need to say that I had to get signatures because don't forget now I'm under DUI, you know, I'm going to court and all that kind of stuff, but it worked for me and I made friends there. So when I gave, when I, when my book came out, um, in 2010, I, I had a special event at a library here because I knew the librarian. And I said, this is where I want to, you know, launch my book. And I donated $10 from each book uh, to the, to the, um, uh, the library fund mm -hmm. uh, because I needed people around me who knew me and would be sympathetic and non-judgmental. And one of the women, two of the people from that smart recovery group were there and she gave me a pair, of, one of the women gave me a pair of earrings. I immediately went to the bathroom, put those earrings on before I gave my little presentation because that was frightening to me. Now I'm exposing to everybody that I'm a gambling addict. And, you know, so where, where, where's, my, where's my safety net again? The, the question of disbelief, for example, I had people tell me, you know, well, I've seen you around and I just find this absolutely unbelievable that you would do this. Somebody on a PBS uh, public broadcasting thing said, well, you have a PhD. I mean, wouldn't you know, shouldn't you know better? It's like, oh my God. Because when you go out publicly like that in a big way, you, you leave yourself open 
to, you know what it's like being online, for example, to all this kinds of criticism and judgment. But I was doing it because I felt so purposeful. It was like, I am desperately yeah. trying to get this out here because I'm suffering, but other people are suffering as well. 10 years later, now I mean, we're in 2022 now, the, 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 the you know, with my colleagues now, it's so much easier, but it also, when I was giving these talks, I want to make this very clear because people who are suffering in the moment in crisis might not want to be out here doing this. The first club meeting that I did in Detroit, which is, a you know, Detroit has big three big uh, casinos. I was on TV for that, for, uh, for uh, a local TV station. Two women, Black women in Detroit saw that show and contacted me and I told them that my sister had set up a book club and they came, one, one woman's name is Valerie, the other one is Denise Phillips. And they were all connected with the National Council of Problem Gambling. They were, you know, counselors. Denise was one of the first uh, gambling counselors in, in, the, um, in the country. Um, and that's how I, these women would be available to me when I gave these talks. When I was on Megyn Kelly Live, they were on the phone, they, right after I got off. Sandy, how you doing? But I told them before I went on and it took me like three or four weeks because there was a lot that was going on in terms of deciding whether I was going to go on a national TV live and on Megyn Kelly too. Uh, that's another whole story. Uh, but but um, I was, you know, I called them. I called your, your um, uh, mentor, uh, Catherine. Catherine, uh, Karen, Catherine was on board with this, you know, and, and it was the conversation was, okay, how are you feeling about this? We really do need you to do this, but don't do it if, you know, if it's going to cause this, you know, the pain where I can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Uh, and then afterwards, I was fine. They were there. How are you doing, Sandy? And when I gave those, that keynote speech, they were right up in front. Catherine was always in the front. And it was like, okay, we're here for you. And afterwards, those hugs afterwards, they would come up because I would be weak, drained. Uh, because again, I has I still haven't gotten over the shame of all of this. I, I just haven't carried it. I, I don't know. <laughs> just haven't gotten over the shame of this. I think it happens. Anything that anybody goes through, especially if it's something that is not deemed acceptable in society's sight or the stigma that comes along with it. And, you know, when, when, when people hear about addictions, they mostly think about drugs and alcohol. Um, they don't necessarily think about the other addictions that people can, can struggle with. It could be gambling, it could be food, it could be sex, it could be shopping, it could be so many other things. It could things. be some sex now, a little bit of sex. <laughs> I think this conversation has been so beautiful because I just keep hearing the word community. I keep hearing the word support or the, those themes, not maybe not necessarily in those words, but just the, the theme of finding yourself in that space, finding yourself amongst community and making sure that you, you see yourself and you see yourself in, in, through other people, with other people. And that's just all support language and it's it's absolutely amazingly beautiful when I hear it and um I'm gonna ask this last question I know you mentioned it earlier Miss Sandra uh when it says how do you find peace and joy in your life you know you can you can you can answer it when you think about your recovery journey or you just you can answer it when you think about your own just your life's journey where how do you find 
peace and joy in your life? Because we want to end with that. I, you know what? I have three kids, three grandchildren, four great grandchildren. I was pregnant when I was 14. I had my first baby when I was 15, the second one when I was 16, and the third when I was 19, and everybody said nothing. I would never make anything of myself. Uh, and when I sit back and look at this yard that I have, and I'm going to probably start with some tears here, and, and seeing that my family, my children are all college educated, my grandchildren are all college educated, I beat the odds. That brings me great joy. And it also, Karen, thank you so much, Karen. It brings me great joy at this moment to know that Karen is, I'm happy, Karen. I really am. I'm very happy. So I love you too. Thank you. I love you too. Like I said, I grew up in Philadelphia uh, at a, at a, when I was still in the crib, I would gnaw on my crib and it was lead-based paint. I guess when I was six or seven, I had started to have fatigue mild seizures and my mom picked up on it because they were so slight. She took me to the doctors, they gave me some meds and they told my mother, don't expect much from her. Don't expect much from her. You know, she, she might get out of high school. Well, fortunately, she didn't tell me that until years later, probably decades. So here I am today. Now, I struggled through school. I struggled through school, grade school, middle school, high school, um, college. I found out in college that I have a learning disability. And so it started to make sense to me why I struggled so much. My brother and sister always did better than me academically, but I have two masters and they don't. Um, and, and, and they, they both do well too. I'm not taking anything away from them. My brother makes much more money than I do, but anyway, so what brings, what brings me joy? I mean, I would have never thought that who I was as a, a young child in Philadelphia, teen struggling the way that I did, still was fighting, would be where I am today. Gambling caught me off guard. It did. I was aware, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was aware of drug and alcohol. My father, my stepfather was an alcoholic. I saw that in my community. Uh, so I was like, no, I ain't, I'm not drinking. I like being in control. Uh, so I'm not drugging. And my mom was like, you know, if you get arrested, if you get into trouble, you're on your own. Um, so there was this fear that I had from my mom that I needed to do the straight and narrow. Of course, I wanted to. Also, because of what I saw that she went through um, being in an abusive relationship with an alcoholic husband and how she struggled to keep us all together. It was like, okay, I need to be self-sufficient. You know, I need to be able to take care of myself regardless of who is in my life. Um, so I learned a lot of lessons through, through my life journey um, and I needed a lot of support and, and God placed what I call angels in my life. In those times where I, I didn't feel loved or lovable or just was struggling, there was somebody there. I was intent on leaving home to go to college because I didn't, my mom wanted me to go to Temple, which was like a, a bus ride away, but I needed to get away from home. Um, but I knew I couldn't afford to go outside of Pennsylvania. So I, I went to Indiana University of Pennsylvania 
And I started through their EOP program, um, education opportunity programs, started in the summer. But my point of that was they had a black woman there who was the counselor, Julia Miller. I wish I could find her today. Uh, and because what happened was when I went to went into my dorm and opened the door, all the problems I thought I was leaving behind in Philadelphia greeted okay. me. They were right there. <laughs> and I needed Julia Miller to help me to get through those six weeks. And then the four weeks, I mean, the four years, and then the two extra years when I got my first master's. So what brings me joy today is that I'm alive, that I have a peace of mind, that I know that I am blessed. My two best friends are dead. They're not here today. You know, they're not here today. I'll be 65 in January. That I had a dream to come to Alaska and I made it. I had a dream to get another master's and I was able to do that. That I get to look at these mountains here in Alaska that are just absolutely amazing. Just absolutely amazing. I got to go to Egypt. I got to be in Africa. I went to Africa twice this year, twice. I got to see things that I learned in school. I mean, it's, I'm a blessed individual. I'm absolutely blessed. And the things that I'm doing now wouldn't have been possible if I continued to gamble. It just wouldn't have been possible. Um, I have a greater appreciation for everything, <laughs> everything. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I log on on Saturdays to my meetings, and see those women, all of those women, the ones that are in the UK, the ones that are, you know, on Saturday that are across the United, mostly, most of them are in the, on the West Coast. My women from the Blue Group, it, it brings me joy. It, it just brings me joy. So is my life perfect? No. Do I do everything I'm supposed to? No. I, I gained 12 pounds when I was traveling. And then I came back here and gained five more. So I'm always struggling with my, my weight, but I have to remind myself, I used to weigh 400 pounds. You know, I don't weigh 400 pounds anymore. So there's a, the puzzle, those pieces when I was broken, I'm not broken anymore. There's still pieces I need to put in that puzzle uh, and, and to fill it out, but I feel hopeful. I feel blessed. I'm so grateful that I, my path crossed with, with Sandy um, because she's helping me do something that was important to me. Um, my goal at the, at the beginning of this year was to speak out and talk more about gambling. And she's made that happen for me. And, and, and it's nice that we do it together. Um, she and I and Cassandra. And we did. When we were in Boston, we did the work. You know, and then we went and played and we, we had, had fun. fun. We, we did funny people. Yeah, we, we had fun. fun. <laughs> and you know, when you're in the grips of an addiction, you don't have fun. Mm -mm. You don't have fun because you're trying to survive. Mm -hmm. you, you're trying to, you're trying to survive. You're trying not to go over that abyss. You're trying not to go over that cliff. Um, there's no cliffs in my life anymore. You know, I'm not, a, when the phone rang, I'm not afraid that it's, it's some bill collector. I remember I used to look out and to make sure my car was there because I was so afraid that it was going to be repossessed. I don't have those issues anymore. I don't have those issues anymore. Do I have a whole lot of money? Mm -mm. I'm going to have to work. My joke is I'm going to have to 
work the day of my funeral, well, I'm hoping I'm 90, 95, I'm going to have to work a half a day so that I can pay for the funeral. Okay. So <laughs> I blew my retirement. Every now and then I get pissed and sad because of what I did. And because of what I did way back then, you know, I'm going to have to work for a long time because um, I don't have any retirement. And, you know, well, I have a pity party for a few minutes and then I move past that. I don't get stuck there anymore. But every now and then it, it comes. I just recently, the last year or so, was able to get a credit card. It's hard to travel when you don't have a credit card. Yeah. You know, so like, again, every now and then some of this residual of my gambling is still present. Um, but I don't sit there anymore or I don't sit there long and, and I move on from it. So there's a lot of things that bring me joy. I'm getting ready to get out of here and go to work. The way I go, I see these mountains, the sun is out. I should be able to see them. Some days I can't see them because of the clouds. And I always take a second or two and you know, look at them and feel what it, that strength, that joy, that's what that is, is joy mm -hmm. that I get to see this. And I wish everybody I knew, everybody could see what I see when I see those mountains. Um, so there's a lot of different ways I define joy. Yeah, I do some quilting too, and I haven't done it in a while, but I want to get back to it. So, yeah. And I just did, uh, I'm a mountain woman. Hey, you know what? I have a car. I will show up at your house in Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> but I just, that was another joyful thing because I went to Kentucky. I, my family is in the small, we call it down in the hollow. Mm -hmm. uh, in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, right on the border of Tennessee. And I went to see some alien, my, my, my family's uh, cousins are alien. That's my mother's uh, uh, town. And they're surrounded by the mountains. And that's beautiful. We, I, I want to make it clear as we're telling our stories, we also are fun people. Uh, we like to laugh. Uh, and that laughter comes, as Karen's already said, because we're not we're not struggling with this demon anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not, and, and we got a little money to go somewhere, and we can buy a meal. You know, and and, <laughs> and and complain about the bad food or the service or whatever we're doing. We have fun, and that's one of the things I think it's important for people who are who are coming out of their gambling, you know, addictions or however we're going to call this is what are you going to begin to replace it with that is going to bring you, uh, if not joy at the beginning, a little bit of peace. Peace. You know, and, and, and that's something we work on. You know, I, 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 I'm at, at this point in my life now, you know, I, I value peace. I value uh, not having a lot of stress because we have families, you know, all of us have families mm -hmm. and their stress is related to that. But there's some external stuff that I don't have to deal with anymore. It's like, no, I'm not doing that because that's going to disrupt whatever. I'm trying to stay centered with what's left of my life here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not going to let people come in. I want to thank you so much for having us. Uh, this has, Karen, this, thank you so much. Everybody, I just can't. No, I, I, thank you so much. We thank you. I'm going to um, ask Ashley if she has like one final thing to say and just like to think or whatever. Um, and then I'll wrap it up. Go ahead, Ashley. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just so happy that the two of you are willing to come out and talk about your experience because it is so rare. Um, you know, I think that over the past couple of years we've definitely seen 
an increase in people using online mediums to come yeah. forward and tell their recovery stories around gambling. And that's been amazing. But I never see Black women. <laughs> and I really appreciated, you know, hearing your perspective. And I definitely want to read your book, Dr. Adele, um, and, and learn a little bit more about it and, and share about it too, you know, and let people know that Black female voices are mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that yes, you know, still not heard rarely as much, you know, as you should be, but that you are here, you know, and if that there are other Black women out there, yeah, you're right. The purpose of doing this is, is we're not alone. Right. And, you know, I think that the internet, you know, even for all of the um, things that it may miss in gambling does have, you know, that advantage of, you know, kind of bringing marginalized groups together. So just so glad you're here. I took so many notes. I'm going to share this with so many people when it's ready. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm always amplifying voices. And as a black woman, I am always about amplifying black women's voices. Just any person whose voice has not been heard, whose, you know, their story needs to be told. Our journeys are so important. You know, I don't wanna say like our struggles are, it's the journey. And I think our journeys are so important um, because you just never know what the other person or how you're gonna connect with the other person, how you're gonna touch the other person, how that person is gonna affect you in such a positive or whatever way, whatever way, because I believe in balance. Um, So in our, just for our listeners, we will have, any of all the supports that um, Dr. Sandra or uh, Ms. Karen has talked about, we'll have those support groups or support services in our in our show notes. And we just, again, thank you for listening always. Um, and if you are struggling with gambling, uh, your gambling addiction or problems with gambling, please give us a call. All of that information will be in our show notes as well. So thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.